broadcasting live from the Santa Lucia Highlands through the heart of the Casterville Artichoke Fields, westward to the Elkhorn Slough, and south to the rugged Big Sur coastline. You're listening to What's the Plan? A weekly discussion with local thought leaders about the future of Monterey County. And now, here's your host, Mr. Paul Wyant. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What's the Plan? I'm excited today. We have our guest, Mark Carbonero, local radio personality and savant. Uh, It should be a fun topic. We're going to be talking about the news of the day. But before we begin, let me remind you that I'm Paul Wine, owner of Express Employment Professionals of Monterey County. At Express, we can help your business find great employees. So give us a call today, 831-920-1857. Again, that's 831-920-1857. You can also listen to this shifting gears from express employment you can listen to this radio program and all of the past episodes glorious as they are uh back to the very first one at what's the plan monterey.com again that's what's the plan monterey.com oh and the business you can go to expresspros.com for the business as well so you might want to go there good afternoon mark how are you doing i'm doing well not only a savant but sometimes known as an idiot savant so (laughs) i would i wouldn't say that mark at all (laughs) uh but uh, when Mark's on the show, it usually means one thing, that I forgot to book a guest. <laughs> there you go. That's what I am. I'm the old fill-in guy. But that's all no, right. No, I'm good Mark, with that, you know? Actually, I kind of like it because it's a, it's a low pressure uh, and a, a lot of fun because Mark, as many of you know, has lived in the community since uh, since Noah floated in his boat. Yes. And, uh, so so he's, he knows a lot. Of, he knows all the dark secrets of the community. And, I think uh, I was here also. back when there used to be sardines. Back when, before, yeah, when there was before the aquarium, yeah, <laughs> yeah so, pre-aquarium by a couple of years, yeah, and that's that's really interesting because having seen that transition, you did not see the Marriott go up though. I that did. Been, no, I did. You see did. It. Oh, well, I saw the San Carlos come down, and I saw the Marriott wow. go up. Yeah, well, that, I, then I, you I, truly yeah. are. So you were here before the tunnel, even? <laughs> oh Man. no, 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 no. The tunnel, came, the tunnel was here long before me. They built the tunnel back in the late sixties. I think they started okay, like the- 1966 or so because, you know, Monterey had a – now, here's something that most people, you know, when when people want to talk about how Monterey's always b- been run by the old boys network and, you know, all that kind of uh, mm-hmm. crud. Um, it, it, there's a critique that I've heard that before, okay. yeah. Monterey had a female mayor in 1966. See, we've been progressive forever here. Okay, we're, we're, we're yeah. on the. I mean, that was that was that was back when you had to be twenty-one to vote, right? And her name—I can't remember her last name, but her first name was Minnie, because there were a lot of people who were very, very upset with the building of the tunnel because it was part of urban renewal and the wiping out of what was known as Lower Alvarado. So the area of Alvarado Street from Franklin out to the wharf. Alvarado and Calle Principal and Tyler were all changed dramatically by the building of the tunnel. And that tunnel was known as Minnie's Ditch because a lot of people didn't think it was going to come to anything, that it was a big waste of money. But Lower Alvarado had kind of an interesting reputation. Some people thought it was great. Other people were like, well, you know, it's full of bars Tattoo parlors, pool halls, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's well, and, and now, and now, you know, you've got Benny Hanna's and, uh, 
a few hundred thousand square feet of unused Brandman University space. So it's right. it's going it's going bangbusters over there. Yeah. I think if there's a place that ripe for uh, for revitalization, it would be on top of that tunnel. I mean, I know the Custom House Plaza and all that stuff is beautiful and. They got the comedy show over there at the Dolly Museum. Wonderful. Everything's wonderful over there. But the Brandman University part, I think I think their mission or what they do could probably be done somewhere else. And a really cool project could go in there. Yeah, that uh, was, you know, that was really a, an interesting thing. Now, that was built before I got to Monterey. That was built as part of, you know, this grand vision of, of changing that part of Monterey. And... Um, what was it was called Heritage Harbor. That area where Brandman is located was originally known as Heritage Harbor. It was supposed to be a shopping center and okay. restaurants and so forth. And it it, it was it just, just didn't take off. No, it didn't take off because it was really difficult to get to. First off, there wasn't any parking. Well, in hey, the so area that brings me to I really want to ask this question, Mark. I hate to yeah. interrupt, but I sure. really want to ask this question. Now, people who are familiar with Monterey know that there is a parking garage right there. Two of them. And then there's even a bridge that goes over to the Brandman University, what we're talking about, where, where it was going to be this, I guess, shopping village. Yes. But it looks to me like there was going to be a hotel there, right on, uh, I guess that's Fremont, right? Or not Fremont, I'm sorry, Pacific. That's, that's Pacific. I don't know if there was going to be a hotel there, but I know that the garage, the parking garage, was supposed to, and the bridge, you know, were supposed to make it possible for people to park and then walk across the bridge and go shopping. But Because there's an, un, there's an unfinished building. Uh, yeah, there's an unfinished building there by like yeah. the, uh, yeah, right there on that parking garage. So. Yeah, and that's true. And and I don't know what the, I, I don't know what the plan was for that. But the the problem was that, you know, why would you park in a garage and then walk across a bridge and then go try and find these stores in this little meandering shopping center when you could just drive out to Del Monte Shopping Center or there are plenty of other places that you could go shopping that were so much easier. So this idea, while it was this really cutesy, you know, concept and everything, it wasn't really well thought out. And sadly, the the fellow who was the developer of that, it took him down financially and mentally, and he ended up blowing his brains out. Um, Whoa! Yeah, a few Whoa. years after the, the thing went toes up. And oh, it, it, yeah, it was that's really sad. tough. You know, it, be, it became like one of those things like, what do we do with this Heritage Harbor? And so I think it, it you know, for a while before Brandman got in there, there, there were a couple restaurants there, but for the most part, it, it had kind of morphed into services like lawyers, accountants, other type of business service, you know, that didn't really depend a lot on, on walk-in trade um, or operating out of there. And, but it's, it's always been really kind of a tough thing to figure out what to do with it. And, um, and I don't know that you can ever make it a success as a retail place because there's just the, the access is really, really difficult. So it's probably, if, if Brandman ever left or didn't want as much space as they have, it would probably go back to being a place that would have offices. Yeah. Well, it's, it's great. It's proximity to you know the ocean is beautiful. Yeah. It's got ocean view. And Benny Hanna's making it work. Well, so well, maybe there's something. Let's see, Benny Hanna is a hotel on, could probably go. Yeah. True. Benny Hanna is on Oliver Street. Okay. So it has mm-hmm. it, you know, it's it's not buried in the center of that mm-hmm. of that, you know, complex. And it's and that I think years ago was the Ginza. That that restaurant, that space, those places on on Oliver Street, for the most part, existed pre-Heritage Harbor, okay? Mm. And Heritage Harbor was kind of built up to it or behind it. 
and then back towards Pacific Street. So, wow. yeah, it was it was it was interesting. And then if you look at the rest of Lower Alvarado, Cala Principal, and Tyler Street, and you have the two big parking garage that the city built there in the late 70s. Um, you know, people thought those would be white elephants when they were built, but they actually have turned out to be, I mean, quite frankly, a godsend with the increase in tourism that Monterey has now, people coming in every weekend. Oftentimes those garages are filled. So, I mean, they are they are fulfilling what their original yeah. purpose was for. There's, so You know, it's funny, real estate-wise, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of stuff here that that doesn't succeed. That's really kind of confusing. Like the Cannery Row Brewing Company shifting over to that. That and speaking of large parking garages, is right off those parking garage. And it just it seems like that should succeed. Scales seems like a great place to succeed. That actually that could have been the pandemic or the city that took it out. That's on Old Fisherman's Wharf. Uh, it might be rents. I don't know. I mean, you know a little bit about the well, rents because you, yeah. you deal with the uh, radio tower down there on Canary <laughs> Row. So. Yeah. Well, you know, t- rents aren't cheap, obviously, on Canary Row because of the, you know, the, the, the fact that there's so much walking traffic around there, right? And it's mm-hmm. a very desirable address to be on. It wasn't always that way. When I moved to Monterey, New Monterey and Canary Row were very down market. 1982, it was kind of... You know, it was Cannery Row, and it was okay, but it wasn't anything really all that special. And then New Monterey was, you know, that was the poor side of town as far as yeah. I could, I could see, I could see on uh, Cannery Row back in your day, there'd be like an artist loft where you could play basketball inside. You know, <laughs> some artists would live there and you know paint and play basketball. There was a movie yeah. theater called the Eight Twelve, which was located at Eight Twelve Cannery Row. And they didn't have traditional seats in there. They had like pillows, throw pillows that you just kind of leaned against or laid down against and watched movies. And it was kind of an art house, you know, kind of bohemian atmosphere there. Not not local at all. And I, you know, and I I feel bad, you know, for the for the local movie theaters. But we I went to the uh, the the movies in San Jose at the uh, what is it the Valley Fair Mall. And that that thing is ridiculous. There are heated recliners that have like <laughs> like the the seat kicks up. You know, it has like a little ottoman, right. and then they bring you right. your you know your food with your beer and all that, and and you have it, have it in a tray like your Attila the Hun or something. Oh, it's really upscale. It is ridiculous. I couldn't believe they had heated seats. I don't know. And if there's a local theater that has heated seats, I, I need to find out. Yeah, I don't think we have anything like that here. But, you know, but, like when, when yeah. I first came to Monterey, and let me let me adjust my microphone quickly. Hold on a sec. Yep. This new Monterey was so downscale, right? I mean, when you went down Lighthouse Avenue, it was like, ugh. You know, I mean, it was it wasn't anything like it is today. And really, the catalyst that changed all that, Paul, was um, it was the building of the Monterey Bay Aquarium. Quite frankly, yeah. the, the aquarium. And now, and now yeah. we've run. Now we now that we've run Hewlett Packard out of, out of California. Who's going to build the next aquarium? I don't know. That's a that's a but, great point. <laughs> but I, I I love it. Now we we'll keep going with the historical bent. I do want to. So here's a great building that's got a great history. And it is, have you been following the tin cannery? It seems yes. like some, some weeks. So like three weeks ago, if you'd asked me, I'm like, yeah, it's for sure going through. Right. Right. And then, and then now I would say it's not. And then the same thing about the, you know, where, uh, 
Marina Patina, the old gas station in Pacific Grove used to yes. be, I would say that development I thought was going to die and now it's going through. They, they fixed right. it. And I'm wondering, is the planning commission and, and the, and the city of Mon or city of Pacific Grove going to be able to do the tin cannery hotel? What do you, what are your thoughts? Boy, on that? I'm sure you, you oh. know, that's, <laughs> I was a little surprised that it lost. And uh, this, this is the, uh, the old American can. We, we should tell everybody what happened. It was the planning commission advise, like basically voted something like three to two, four not to, two. to move four, four to two, to not, not to, to not approve the EIR for it, mm-hmm, which would basically kill the project. Right. Yeah. However, that's the environmental impact review or something like that. Yeah. But the, um, the city council has the ultimate, remember it's, it's, you know, planning commission members, are appointees. They're political appointees by members of the city council. So mm-hmm. ultimately, the city council can always overrule uh, a vote of the planning commission. Sometimes that does happen, right? So, and they, and they did just recently vote to cut down that oak tree, which I thought was kind of brave because it seems right. like if you go to the 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 council meetings, it's like there's just t- you know, dozens of people uh, complaining about that tree. And I know they're a vocal minority, but it, it would be really hard to, like, you know, vote to subject yourself to more of that abuse every right. week uh, as, as a city council member. So I can kind of applaud them for sticking to their guns on the on the oak tree. But yeah, well, yeah, they, they are. And I guess the council, they did. They brought that up again and they have decided they followed a, a, what, you know, whatever advice the city arbor is. Yeah, but getting getting back to the tin cannery, what do you what do you what's your prognostication? I mean, if Ugh. what is the next Wednesday they're going to vote on it or when? Well, when are they so that so I don't think they're going to actually vote on it. I think they're going to here. I, I would say they'll delay their ultimate vote for another few weeks. Then they would probably. Oh, boy, you know. It, but how long before they piss off the developers so much that they just pull up stakes and leave? Well, they, you know, this is right now, this is kind of a fact gathering time for people on the city council. And yeah. I'm, and I'm sure they're hearing from both sides about this. And they're probably hearing from the developer, hey, you know, this, this was an emotional decision by the planning commission. It wasn't logical. And, um, and you know, and also maybe they're finding out you know, kind of, can this thing be downsized any in order to push it through? And maybe the developer, you know, maybe there's a, the developer can downsize it a little bit and uh, and still have it be a project that will generate revenue for the developer. Because, I mean, yeah, you know, there's, there's all these people that, I mean, I'm so, I shouldn't be surprised by it. The average, you know, person has absolutely no understanding of economics or business or anything like that. So you see the, these really crazy, uninformed opinions from people around the community, particularly on social media, as to what ought to happen with the American Tim Cannery site. I mean, there's like people who have the idea that it should be turned into a giant indoor bazaar where, you know, you could go in there and rent like a 10 by 10 space for like $50 on a Saturday. And they'd have like a giant flea market in there. And it's like, oh, you know, come on. Are you you kidding me? I mean, that kind of stuff, (laughs) that kind of stuff never makes any money. And oftentimes, let's be honest, Paul, a lot of those businesses that, that do those kinds of things, a lot of those people only deal in cash and they don't report their income. Or they don't report very much of their income, so that whatever sales tax revenues that are going to be generated to the city are going to be minimal, and won't even pay 
uh, as much tax revenue as what the, the American tin cannery is generating now in its deteriorated business condition. I mean, you, one of the things that's crazy about this is I worked at the tin cannery. Now, I didn't work at a store in the tin cannery, but when I worked for another radio station years ago, we were located on Sloat Street on the backside of the tin cannery on that little one-way street. And this was from 1986 to 1997. That was really kind of the heyday of the tin cannery as a factory outlet center. They had like 55 stores. The place was packed all the time. At that time... The American Tin Cannery helped to make that area of Pacific Grove the number one sales tax generating area in the entire city. And, and as I understood it, I think Mo Amar was telling me this one time, that the city had PG divided into five business districts, okay? Forest Hill was its own district. Downtown was a district. Tin Cannery area was a district. I don't recall what the other two were. But... The Tin Cannery area was number one in the city, okay? And then Forest Hill was number two. Well, today Forest Hill is number one, and the Tin Cannery is number five, because for the most part, it's empty. And Well, downtown PG is pretty good, too. And then yeah. there's the, yeah, over where the hotels are by a cylinder. Hey, but what's interesting about it all is, I think, is it's tied to Proposition 13, because I from my so? sense, it, well, from the uh, from the what I've heard at the city council meetings, a lot of people don't want you know they want to keep PG kind of quaint, and they they don't want the traffic, and and so they're again they're kind of anti development, but they use other things like environmental laws and harbor seals and things to to kind of maybe impede progress in the way of this development. And really, what it is is the city needs needs money. Just what you were driving at there is that the city needs property tax. They need sales revenue. They need all these things, sales tax, whatever way the city makes money. It's generally from tax of some form. You know, that's the only way a government makes money is the tax anyway. Uh, so proposition 13, because there's so many stagnant residents here that have lived here for so many generations, they pay virtually nothing. Or, I mean, I won't say nothing because they do pay something in tax, but they pay a fraction of what a new resident would pay or some of the San Jose people that come down here and buy vacation homes. And they complain endlessly about the vacation homes from the folks from out of town. And then they complain about things like the tin cannery. And it's like, well, you you can't have your cake and eat it too. Either you have to pay higher property taxes and then you can be more you know, like Carmel Valley, or I don't know what, I, more, you like, more, more like whatever, yeah. whatever you want to be, you can be a place that tourists don't come to, but you're going to have to pay the taxes somehow. Someone's yeah. going to have to keep the lights on. And I, I don't think people fully get a sense of that. They, they say, Oh, well, I've had this $2 million house and it's, well, well of course it was a hundred thousand dollars back in the sixties and we've had it forever. And I'm only paying $200 a month or whatever in property tax. And everything should be just copacetic, even though I'm paying like ridiculously low, even though the guy who buys a $2 million house next to me is paying 2000 a month and I'm paying 200. That's no, you know, and I'm just going to complain because he's from San Jose. Right. That, that doesn't seem fair to me. I mean, it's like, I think somewhere, you know, to speak into your thing is like someone, and maybe they, maybe the people that are complaining about this and maybe I'm setting up a straw man, but I really do think people don't fully kind of think two chess moves ahead and think about the, the full implications of, I just want to live 
you know, in a, in this natural beauty place. And I just want it to be me and a few of my close friends. Right. It's, if they could, you know, it's funny because Pacific Grove started out as a gated community back when it was a Methodist camp. It was one square mile like Carmel, and there was a fence oh, like, around. There was a fence around like the city, Beach. you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, like like Pebble Beach, and and there was a fence around the city. And I think that the attitude of a lot of these people, especially the NIMBYs or the bananas, you know what a banana is. I've not heard banana before, yeah, but yeah. build absolutely nothing next to anything. Anytime. Okay. <laughs> and, and these bananas, I think a lot of them would like to go back to those days when there was a, there was a fence around the city so well, that they could keep people out because they really have this idea that Pacific Grove belongs exclusively to them and no one else. Mm-hmm. And, and I've studied city finances a little bit over the years. And the thing that was really interesting was to see the giant disparity in in revenue, you know, total tax dollars between a city like Pacific Grove and a city like Monterey. Now, granted, Monterey is twice the size of Pacific Grove population-wise, 30,000 to 15,000. But mm-hmm. when it comes to tax revenue, Monterey has like $120 million annual budget. Pacific Grove's is like 30, okay? Mm-hmm. And it has this this difference in revenue between the two cities has existed forever but the problem you have in pacific grove the way i see it is that pacific grove is a city with champagne taste on a beer budget and the people <laughs> who live in pacific grove a lot of these naysayers i, I live they, in pacific grove yeah they but they naively they naively believe that their city, that they deserve to have the same quality of services that people in Monterey have, even though they only have one quarter of the revenue that Monterey has. And so you Actually, look at you, say, you know what's funny about how, that? How do you expect think, to, well, how do you expect to pay for all this, you know, Mr. Well, and Mrs. Pacific Grove? I, I have to say that, that actually, I think uh, Pacific Grove buys some services from Monterey, like uh, parking enforcement and stuff like that. Yeah, they and might be contracting that, out some of that now. I think there's some fire services. Obviously, yeah. Pacific Grove has fire, but I think there's some fire services as well. But if you go up the coast to Marina and stuff, it's I, that's why my Marina is personally my favorite city because they they have so much potential. But uh, who knows <laughs> what if. What if any of it they'll they'll, uh, they'll use? I love Marina and and um, you know and even Seaside and Sand City they're doing some really yeah. creative stuff over there. I love that. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I I, I predict that uh, at some point, you know, in the next five years, uh, Seaside and Marina are going to leave PG in the dust because Pacific Grove is this this little community. And that may, hey, well, hey, but that may be that may be what people want. I mean, I, well, well, leave your comments on next door, please. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, but the, but the situation is this: is that the people in Pacific Grove are not going to stop expecting to have the quality of services that people in Monterey take for granted. But there's no way PG can afford those services. That's why PG has contracted out to have its share its police service, or not its completely, but its fire services and some of the administration type of stuff with other cities because they can no longer afford but to, and to On operate. the positive side, there's some, there's some problems that we don't have. I know a uh, a homeless person just stabbed someone. I, I think it was in PG. I'm not sure. But On the somewhere trail. Monterey. But uh, we do not, we don't seem to have the same, some of those problems like they're, cause they have the MST, the, the Salinas transit 
uh, Monterey Salinas Transit. Oh, the Transient Plaza. Yeah, and that. (laughs) (laughs) But they they do. There is a lot of. uh, They have a lot of. I I do feel for Monterey that way. They do have a lot of uh, the mental illness and and stuff out out on the street. So they they have uh, they have some more. Yeah, they have some challenges. The real sweet spot is Carmel. They get (laughs) they get everything. (laughs) They got they got tons of revenue. Beautiful city outdoor. They could even have a fire on the beach there. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, but you know when you look at it, I mean. This is kind of why I advocated for the the conversion of the tin cannery into the hotel project, because the types of services that Pacific Grove Pagrovians want can only be paid for when you have things like the hotel project generating that revenue, because nothing else is going to do that. I mean, that when that and, and here's the crazy thing about it, Paul, is that when that shopping center was going great guns, it produced more impacts, traffic and everything like that in the community than this hotel would ever produce. OK, and, and that that salient fact is lost on so many people. And by the way, the use permit that the owners of the tin cannery have for a shopping center, you know, if, if, if they wanted to get really aggressive and figure out a way to fill that place with 55 stores again and have it going like it was going in the 90s, you know, if that was possible, they could do that. And no one on the planning commission or the neighborhood groups could say boo because their use permit allows it. And it would actually be a more intensive use of the property than mm-hmm. what was proposed with the hotel. So that's why all of this, this nonsense opposition to this, you know, project doesn't make any sense to me because uh, you you couldn't do anything about the shopping center if it came back the way it had existed. And what do people expect? I mean, do people realistically expect that the Cannery Row Company, which for some development, which owns the American Tin Cannery, do, do you expect that they're just going to let that thing go down to no stores in there and they're just going to pay property taxes on an empty building forever so that you don't have any impacts in your city as far as people wanting to travel there and so forth? I mean, I, I sometimes, to me, the naivete and the ignorance of so many of the people in the voting public is just staggering. That they, that they have these totally unrealistic ideas. There was someone who said, tear it down and build a skate park. Good God, where are you going to get the money to build a skate park and maintain it? Well, I do have to say about that, Mark, I, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to disparage or impugn the reputation of our voting public, but I do will say this about a skate park is uh, we're, we're, a, uh, we're really a community that nobody can afford to live in unless you're wealthy and most wealthy people are, are past the age of having school-aged children. So there will be no one to skate in that skate park. Right. Yeah. Although, actually, no, but, but in, in, in defense of that, the, the basketball court uh, down there by the Coast Guard uh, is always, and it's really cool, actually. It looks like a fun place to pay. Oh, that, that's in Monterey. I wish I wasn't so old. But we're going to rename this program Two Old Men Complaining. Yeah, exactly. About, and mostly about the, uh, the Tim Cannery, but I... I really do appreciate your perspective, Mark. It looks like we're running out yeah, of we time. Got about, we got about uh, two and a half minutes. Two and a half minutes, minutes left. yes. Yeah. Is there anything before we go that you were... Uh, Hot and heavy about talking about any uh, any issues in the news lately uh, around the Monterey Salinas or Marina? Anything? You know, I just to me PG is always fascinating. It's just I love it. The, yeah. you know, PG is the most interesting place on the peninsula because they seem to have these intractable problems that are mainly due to attitude. 
you know, just that, that, that people are just disconnected from economic reality and mm-hmm. they they just live in well, I'm gonna, unicorn I'm gonna run world for council on uh, Andrew Yang's Freedom Party. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be I'm going to join Andrew Yang's Freedom Party and run for council and and hopefully and then just get inculcated into the uh, into the, uh, <laughs> the mainstream. I, I would I, I about stand about as much chance of getting uh, elected here as uh, you know, Rush Limbaugh would have. So um, anyway, even though I, I feel like I'm very moderate, but I, I think it's it, there would be no place for me. But I do always love talking to you, Mark. Really, it's, it's fun, it's and, fun it just and, goes uh, by we should, and we should do this once a month because it's easy. And uh, as long as as long as you don't uh, yell at too many people, because I have customers in my business, and uh, I want to, I want to keep them. Oh, okay, so, uh, all right. <laughs> that's only. Do you have any so customers anyway. in PG? Any businesses in PG? Uh, you know, not too many. We have few. We do occasionally get. So customers. I can just hammer away at Pacific Grove. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, truthfully, yeah, truthfully, our, our uh, most of our business is on the other side of the county, so, so okay. it won't be, won't be bad. And this show does go out there, but I don't think anybody listens out there. So, anyway, I'm Paul White, owner of Express Employment of Monterey County. If you own a business, uh, please give me a call, and we can help you uh, find great employees for your business. Eight three one nine two zero one eight five seven. And if you're an employee, we can help you find a great job. So, I want to thank my uh, co-host and producer, Mr. Mark Carbonero, greatest producer in the business. And I'd also like to thank Mr. David Marzetti. He's the host of the Saturday Morning Shagbag Radio Show at 9 a.m. right here on 101.1 FM and 1460 a.m. Stay tuned because coming up next is Edward King with Money Sense.